during communion, right? No, we're gonna we'll roll into a sermon and come back for communion. How about that? Sorry. We're just changing it all in real time this morning. Why not? How about you guys just stay and play behind me the whole time? Like imagine how amazing this could be together. We could it might be an improvement. Okay, all right, well take take a break. Take a breather. This morning as uh Alan and Julie, it hasn't been great to hear from our elders this month and our Advent time. I think it's been really nice, but to, to think about joy, that it is inseparable from, from hardships. And we don't just live a life of ease, and yet we need to be reminded of this joy. And so this morning in our series in Advent, we're coming to our theme on a proclamation of joy as we look at the angels uh, that came. And, you know, I think about now and the types of announcements that we maybe make. I've seen a lot lately of uh, videos that are about gender reveals. A a couple finds out uh, if they're going to have a boy or a girl, and sometimes they don't even know yet, and it is presented to them. Sometimes they found out from the doctor, and they're presenting this to their family. And and, uh, so there's a number of videos online. I'm not sure if you've come across some of these. Sometimes they have uh, used exploding baseballs or golf balls that when you hit them and they explode in blue or in pink uh, powder. I've seen some that are, are balloons. They open a box and balloons come out. And, and this seems to be a thing that people are trying to outdo one another on these gender reveals. And, uh, and in making an announcement, wanting to, to get it out there for, for hundreds and even thousands to find out about. Now, my kids, you know, I, I guess I'm kind of old now. Uh, we didn't do that kind of stuff. Like we told the people that were right around us. You know, when my daughter was born, we handed out a handful of cigars to those that were there. We celebrated together, but it wasn't something that we were going out to the masses to do. Now, throughout history, uh, there was this kind of an announcement that would be made. And that's, we hear of this, this song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And heralding was actually a profession. It was to make an announcement, to to make a broad announcement to the people and to be even a, a, a crier for the rich, for a king, for a kingdom. And so the rich would hire people to go out into the community and herald the coming, uh, uh, the announcement of a new child or, or possibly of an engagement as two houses and families were coming together uh, and uh, maybe of major victories. And so heralding this action of making a broad announcement was something that was done for the wealthy. Now, hark is, is simply this word, listen. Like, listen up, everybody. You're about to hear an announcement. And for them and here is we have a proclamation and announcement of joy. The angels, the sent ones, the messengers, listen. The ones who have been sent to us to make a great announcement is what that song is talking about. It's not about a guy named Harold, just in case. But listen, they're about to proclaim to all this great thing that is coming into our world. And so I want to look at this, and today you get a little bit of the gl- a glimpse into the way my mind works. Uh, sorry about that. We, Mike does counseling if, uh, if you need it afterwards. But, uh, but just as I thought of this theme and, and angels making a proclamation, this is kind of where my mind went with this. So let's start off in Luke chapter 2. There's a bit of reading this morning, which means it will be good because it's out of the word of God. But uh, we start here, Luke chapter 2, as, as the shepherds are, are receiving this message, verse 8. In the same region where the shepherds were out in the field, keeping watch over their flock at night, 
And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So this announcement comes, this angel is present to the shepherds. And really, uh, this is an announcement uh, that shouldn't have taken place. Because the rich, when they would hire a herald, would send them out to the most important, to the prominent, so that those who were also influential, influential would know and be able to come with gifts and be able to understand uh, this new thing that had happened. But God, not wanting to, to, to miss out on this, knowing that Mary and Joseph probably were not going to be able to afford a herald, or he's like, that's all right, I've got some connections. And so he sends this impossible message to a group that would have never received one before, to the shepherds. And do you notice the proclamation that is given to them? It starts with this, do not fear. Because can you imagine being in the fields and why would an angel appear to us? To us, lowly shepherds who, who, who nobody cares about us. And why would this message come to us? And yet it says he, that the angel answers uh, this question even before it's asked. He says, this is good news of great joy that's for all the people. It's good news. It's going to bring great joy into the world even though we're going down the line that has sorrow and hardships. And he's saying, shepherds, I know that you work your tails off and I know that you're under the oppressive rule of Rome. But this message will bring great joy to all people. And as proof of that, I'm starting with you, the shepherds, that a savior The one that you have been waiting for for generations and generations and generations after a promise, the one that you have been waiting for has arrived. But you know what? This isn't the first time the angels brought a proclamation. Let's jump over to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to kind of go in reverse order here. See if I can get there. Chapter 1, verse 18. When an angel comes to Joseph, says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Before they had come together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man, unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So again, in a dream this time, an angel of the Lord, another messenger, another sent one with a proclamation for Joseph. And do you notice where he starts? Do not fear. 
yet again, except this fear was different. He doesn't simply say, do not fear. He says, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. See, this is a more specific thing for Joseph because Joseph, understanding that she had gotten pregnant and it wasn't his child, that that this would have been looked upon in great disgrace in their culture, but he was going to do right by her. He was just going to quietly separate himself. He was just going to quietly let her live her life. You know, she made her choices, so said something about God getting her pregnant, right? Sure. Think about that for a second. Yeah? But you know what? Maybe I didn't know her as well as I thought I did. You know, I could probably, I could have her ostracized. I could have her killed. But I'm just going to quietly walk away. But the angel says, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. He said, hardships are going to come with that. But you can't fear it. You can't be afraid of the message that she has given to you. That it has been given by the Holy Spirit. Because that part is true. But you will play a part. He says, you will name him Jesus. And this word Jesus, this name Jesus means the Lord is salvation. You'll name him Jesus because he's going to save all the people from their sins. You're going to play a part. It's not your child, but you're going to be a father to this child. You will play a role in naming this first child. In their culture, it was often the husband that would name the first child and and then the wife that would name the second child. And they would still come to to agreement in it, but he got to play an important part in Jesus' upbringing. Name the child Jesus, for he will save the world from their sins. Now, again, Joseph is understanding this, wrapping his head around it for the first time. But this message had already come to Mary. Let's go back to the book of Luke. In Luke chapter 1 now, we'll start in verse 26. It says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your room and bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob, give to him uh, forever and his kingdom. There will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren for nothing will be impossible with God. Again, this proclamation to Mary, another uh, mentioning of an impossible birth, something that should not be taking place. Joseph understanding that this was from the Holy Spirit, but before that, Mary understanding also, and the angel's proclamation to her, you are favored. That's what he begins with. You have already found favor with God, and he is with you. His presence is upon you. And then he follows up with this. Do not fear. Do you see the theme? Don't be afraid, Mary. 
This thing that you're about to experience is going to be the craziest thing the world has ever experienced. And that's the point. That people would see that this is not natural. They will call him holy. They will call him uh, magnificent. They will call him the son of God. And you will give him the name Jesus. Again, confirmation with Joseph as they would come together after both of them have gotten uh, a visit from the angel Gabriel. And then a visit of an angel and a dream to come together. And for both of them to say, yeah, what should we name him? I think at the same time we should name him Jesus. That they would have come to uh, agreement in this as they heard the same message that would affirm in them that this was happening from God. And, And that his throne would never end. It says that he will take up the throne of his father. It actually is great, 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 many, many times removed father David. This was a fulfillment of prophecy. That he will take the throne that long ago was promised to one of the sons and grandsons of David. And that is you. Now Mary and Joseph both knew that they were in in the uh, genealogy of David. And so this was coming true, this prophecy of old. And, and he mentions though that that Martha, I'm sorry, that, that his, her cousin Elizabeth was also pregnant. So let's turn there, Luke chapter 1 also. And uh, this is before that in verse 5, we, he, we hear of this gentleman named Zechariah. Chapter 1, verse 5, it says, In those days, Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. And both were advanced in years. Now while he was serving as a priest before God, his division was on duty. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah and turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the, the day these things have taken place. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they wondered at his delay in the temple. And when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when this time of service had ended... He went back to his home. 
So here again, an angel of God coming to bring a message of an impossible birth. These, these, this couple, she was barren, met advanced in years, and yet he promises them that you will have a child and you will name him John. And he will prepare the way for the Lord. Again, this angel's proclamation begins with, don't fear. The things that you're going to have to endure are going to be hard. Fearing that, that they would have a child in their advanced age, and yet the things that he would also have to endure would be great. But he says that, that he will be great. He will bring joy and gladness, and he will turn many back to God. Again, much like the proclamation given to Mary about filling the, the throne of David, this was a prophecy fulfilled. All sorts of, of things that had been said about a man who would prepare the way for the coming of the Savior. And this would actually point to another, because again, this isn't the first proclamation from an angel about the birth of Jesus Let's go back a few pages to the book of Genesis. This is at the beginning, just in case you didn't get that. Okay, cool. So Genesis chapter 17, way back, way back at the beginning when we have a guy named Abram and a, and a woman named Sari. And they're, they're walking and, and they're not having children as they're getting old in their age. And God comes to him. God himself comes to Abraham and says, you will no longer be called Abram, which means exalted father, but you will now be called Abraham, which means the father of a multitude. Again, their names meant had different meaning than names do now. They were words that were often combined together to add meaning as, as they said that his name will be called Jesus because the word meant that he will save people from their sins. And so Abram, who was an exalted father, will now be called the father of a multitude. And, and Sarah says, and she will no longer be called Sarah, but she will be called Sarah. In chapter 17, he continues to, to make this promise. He says, and you, from this son that I give you, you will have many children. In fact, if you went out and started to count the sands uh, on a seashore, you'll have more children than all the sands on the shore, and if you look up in the sky and you try to count them, you'll have more children and great grandchildren than even the stars that fill the sky. And he says, And from your family will come the Messiah. Your son and great, 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 great grandsons, many generations removed, this thing will happen to you. And so Abraham and Sarah separately, actually, when they heard this message as they were advanced in years that they were going to have a child, Abraham laughed. <laughs> Just laughs out, are you kidding me, God? Do you, do you know how old we are? My wife has been long past, long past childbearing years. And Sarah finds out later and she also laughs. <laughs> There's a great interaction in verse 18 where, where uh, the angel comes to her and, and he was like, but you laughed. And she was like, I, no, I didn't. I didn't laugh. And he's like, yeah, you did. And so your son will be called Isaac because the word Isaac means laughter. And he said that, that you laughed at God, but guess what? When your child is born, he's going to bring joy and laughter into your life. So you will call your son Isaac. Genesis chapter 21, we see the fulfillment of this. Verse 1, it says, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. That happens a lot in the Bible. He did what he said. 
And the Lord said, uh, did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah born to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a child? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Then if you continue to follow their story, Isaac is is a boy and, and he's growing up. And there's a moment in time where God says to Isaac, or no, I'm sorry, God says to Abraham, I want you to take your son. And you're going to take him to the mountain of the Lord, and, and you're there going to sacrifice your son to me. Now, we have to put this in the context of what had taken place as we look at this and go, okay, so, so God asked for children to be sacrificed. That's interesting. Uh, I don't remember that from before. But, but Abraham understood the promise that had been made to him that you would have many children out of your son Isaac and that, that there would be a great multitude of, of generations of people through his bloodline. And so Abraham, not understanding probably exactly how God was going to be at work, but that he was going to be at work, packs up and takes him. You notice the part where it says that, that uh, Abraham asked Sarah what she thought? Yeah, that part's not in there because he's like, I'm just going to grab him quietly and go do this thing that God's called me to do. And so he takes him and, and his son is like, so I notice we have like the wood and the fire. We've got all of our stuff. But where is the lamb to be sacrificed? And, and, and Abraham simply says to his son, God will provide the lamb. So they go and they build the altar together and, and Isaac is probably thinking, okay, any time now. And then Abraham grabs his son and he ties him up and he lays him on the altar. And it's great if you read this telling in, in Genesis 22 because the author does a great job of, job of drawing this story out. And he, he says in this part, he says, and Abraham reached out his hand and he took the knife, dum, 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 dum. To slay his son. Can you see this picture? And the author does a great job of outlining this. And then it says that the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham, stop. Now, do you notice that there's something different in this verse? Chapter 22, verse 11. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. This is not an angel of the Lord. We've heard about an angel of the Lord. An angel of the Lord had come to Zechariah. An angel of the Lord came to the shepherds. An angel of the Lord named Gabriel came to Mary. But this is the angel of the Lord. And as we read throughout the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord is is likely the pre-incarnate Christ. Jesus himself, the angel of the Lord coming to Abraham himself and saying, stop, stop. And in verse 15, it says this, this phrase again, the angel of the Lord, 15 through 18, it says, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. 
And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at that place. Again, Think of this, that the angel of the Lord, that Jesus himself comes and says, because you were willing to give everything to me, because you believed in my promise that you would have many generations through Isaac, you didn't know exactly how I would go about it, but you believed you will be blessed. And this is Jesus's proclamation to Abraham. You will be blessed I will multiply your offspring. You will take up for yourself the promised land, and in your offspring shall all nations be blessed. Now, this in actuality in verse chapter 22 of Genesis is Jesus prophesying, get this, about the birth of Jesus. How amazing is that, that he's here and he's saying that this blessedness will come through your line, through the kingship of David, and the Savior will be born because of your faithfulness, because of your believing in this promise. Now, he says this, and we can tell uh, that it is so by the way Jesus starts this in the second part. He says this, that I myself, by myself, I have sworn You see, in that time, it was our custom to make oaths according to God's name from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 20. Make oaths in my name. You can only swear by God is what he said in the Old Testament time, Leviticus chapter 19. He says, do not swear by my name falsely. In other words, don't say in my name you're going to do something and then fall through. You know, because you're putting my name on the line and they had to swear by something bigger than themselves. It was kind of like collateral. And so Jesus here, though, he says, I swear by myself, I bear witness to my own prophecy, to my own uh, uh, words of proclamation of joy. And so we have this thing that Abraham and Sarah, when they were given a promise, they followed through and were willing to give everything. That was their response to this promise. Now, Zechariah also responds to the promise and prophecy And proclamation that was given to him. In Luke chapter 1, verse 62, it says this. It says, uh, And they made signs to his father. So so John, their son had been born, and, and he was John the Baptist. It says that they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted this child to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet because he was still mute. He couldn't speak. And he wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered, and immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke blessings to God. And fear came on all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord has been with him. And so again, Zechariah, given this proclamation of joy that you will have a child in your old age. And again, this is pointing back to that account of Sarah and Abraham that it was related and similar. And you need to be faithful. And his first act of faithfulness was to obey the angel's command in naming him John. And so he gets a tablet because he can't speak. His name is John. 
And immediately, just as the angel had said, when these things I have said are fulfilled, that you have a child in your old age and you name him John, then you'll be able to speak and the first words out of his mouth are words of praise and thanks to God for his faithfulness, for his goodness in their lives. See, as we go back, uh, move forward in time again, we see Mary and her response in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, and it says, And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And so Mary's response to this proclamation of joy was submission. To say, I am your servant. I will follow through in whatever you think is, is uh, beneficial for my family and for your nation. I will submit myself to your will. Joseph, his response to this proclamation, Matthew chapter 1. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took his wife. But he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Again, Joseph following through, being faithful, taking up Mary as his wife, and all that would go with that, all the ridicule that would come with that for years to come, as clearly she had cheated on him before they were together, because the people in their community would never believe uh, what they believed. They weren't visited by an angel like Mary and Joseph, so they would have to endure this kind of ridicule through much of their life. But the angel said, do not fear. And Joseph was faithful to that. The shepherds also responding, Luke chapter 2. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. The shepherds' response to go immediately. And when they had seen the child, they spread this proclamation of joy to every person that they could find. So this Christmas season, as we receive this proclamation of joy, as the angels have come and given this message to, to Mary and Joseph and Zechariah and Abraham and Sarah and the shepherds, but what about us? What's your story? How did you first hear this proclamation of joy that the Son of God was willing to walk on this earth and in order to die because he loves you so much? Where did you hear that? Show of hands, who heard that from an angel? None of you? Man, I'm going to keep asking that because eventually, I mean, he does have biblical precedence. He does that. How about a, a parent or a grandparent? Okay, quite a few more. How about a, a Sunday school teacher or a VBS leader or a counselor at camp? Okay, even more. How about by a close friend? A couple? Some other way. Maybe a, a video on YouTube or, 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 uh, some, or a track that you picked up off of a table. Not many, almost all of these were in relationships to other people from family members, from friends, from trusted. This is a good time to do recruiting for children's ministry. Do you see how many hands were up of, of lives who were touched because somebody was faithful as a Sunday school teacher, as a VBS leader, as a camp counselor, that God has used people over and over again to proclaim this joy. And I guess the question then is, what's your response? We've seen theirs and what they did because of this proclamation of joy coming into their lives, but what will you do? For some of you, maybe immediately after you heard it, you believed and, and, and accepted Christ into your life. 
I bet the story for most of you, though, is that it took years and years and years of processing and opening your heart and opening up your life to. And for some, you're sitting here this morning trying to figure out what you're going to do because of it. And all of those are okay. God works in different ways with different people. And so even if you were one that accepted it immediately, if it took you years, or if you're sitting here this morning asking God, how am I going to respond? What am I willing to do in response to this? Let me put forth Romans chapter 10. It says this as we consider in our own lives how we proceed. It says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without somebody telling them? And how are they to tell unless somebody is sent? As it is written, how beautiful are even the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. God is wanting to use you. He's wanting to send you. That's what angel is. The sent one. The messenger with a herald. A proclamation of joy. An announcement of greatness and of goodness and of joy. And he wants to use us in that same way. You are the sent ones. says this. If we think about what the angels gave to uh, the people that we read about today, as you think about being sent, I just want to tell you this. Don't be afraid. It's all right. You're going to experience hardships. It's going to be difficult in certain relationships. But don't be afraid because the God of the angel armies is with you in this endeavor as well. This is good news of great joy for all people. That's the message that he first gave to the shepherds, that this is for everybody to be brought back into a relationship. And here's the best news, is that Jesus, though he started in a manger, he went to the cross, but he didn't end there. You notice our cross is always empty, because he rose again. He's taken care of all of the hard work for his people to be in a relationship with him, and he sits now in heaven interceding for us, preparing a place for us, and he wants to use you to give that message out. Now, I want us to think about each of these, you know, as we process this. Like Abraham and Sarah, maybe you will proclaim this by trusting with your entire life. Like Zechariah, praising God and his faithfulness to everybody that will listen. Like Mary, to follow him in submission, even towards hard, difficult things. Like Joseph, to follow even when the consequences get personal. Or like the shepherds, as it says, and when they had experienced this, they made known the proclamation of joy that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what they were told. Let's pray. God, I thank you that uh, this message is for all of us. God, as we sit here this morning in your presence, God, hearing again your faithfulness uh, through angels, God, that, that it would be important enough that you yourself would come down to foretell of your own coming, God, and that we can sit here in your presence today knowing that you have conquered all, knowing that you have been faithful over generations and generations to every promise that you've ever made, and God, you promised to bring us into your family God, you promise if we will, will come to you, God, that you will wipe away our sins and that you will bring hope and joy into our lives. God, and that you will use us to bring this joy to others. 
God, I thank you not that we have anything to offer you, but that you have offered everything to us, that you'll always be faithful to what you've said. God, you are amazing. In Jesus' name, I pray these things. Amen. This time of communion.